Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. You probably know me by now, and you probably know these two people by now too. Kev Pogzalski is here. Kev, hello. Hi, Connor. And Vito Doria is also here. Vito, hello. Hello, Connor. Kev, are you sober? Sobering up. <laughs> Why? Where were you? Uh, I had a had a boozy weekend in Liverpool. Okay. Well, it's understandable. You, you had a big result. That was nice for you guys. Congratulations. But Thank you. Keep the champagne on ice. Um, let's get into Serie A, shall we? It was, it was quite a good weekend. If not for the games being of the highest quality, there was definitely some interesting things to happen that give us plenty to talk about. We're going to start, kind of, in Turin with Juve's 1-0 win over Milan. We're not going to talk about this too much between the three of us because I have got a chat that I'm doing with Dov Schiavone who was at the Allianz Stadium. So me and him will talk about most of that. But you guys, let's talk about the big story. Not that Milan won or Milan lost. It's not that Juve won. It's that Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't a very happy bunny. He got taken off for Palo Dybala and he looked quite angry. I'm quite angered by the whole situation. He walked straight down the tunnel. And Kev, he left the game before the match finished. He was out of the stadium. Yeah, and uh, obviously it shows that he still, despite his uh, ageing, maybe got that uh, youthful, uh, sulky attitude that he has always had. Stop beating around the bush. Say what you really think. Uh, you know he's he's a he's a senior member of the side. You know he needs to suck it up. 
let's face it, he, he hadn't done anything while he was on the pitch. Uh, you know, and Dybala comes on and, and scores the winner. Yeah, this is the thing, Vito, right? Because he was he's obviously one of the greatest players I've ever seen, one of the greatest players to ever play football. But since going to Juventus, he hasn't actually been all that good. He scored a fair few goals last season, okay, granted, but he was outscored by Duvan Zapata, Christoph Piontek, Fabio Quagliarella. And this season, he's still not showing any reason why Juve actually signed him other than off-field things. I think uh, that this season particularly, he's looked worst off. And at least from what I was hearing from the commentary when I watched the game, it seems that Ronaldo's carrying some sort of issue in regards to one of his knees, that it's not 100%. If... uh, if he's really having issues with his knee, then he should really take some time off and make sure it's healed properly. He shouldn't try and be a hero and try to play through the pain if it's giving him more discomfort than he wants us to believe. And also if it's really impacting the performance of the team. Unfortunately, as great as Ronaldo has been throughout his career, he still has this petulance and selfishness about him. The great players do have a bit of selfishness about him, but sometimes CR, uh, CR7's too, maybe not narcissistic, but definitely self, self-absorbed. And as the old cliche goes, one player doesn't make a team. So I think at the end of the day, he's just got to realise that even he's got his limitations and he's 34 years old, so he can't be expected to play a full game and play every single game throughout a season. He's got to realise that he's a human being as well. Maurizio Sarri said after the game that if if he has left the stadium early, um, it's a problem he has to resolve with his teammates. Kev, can you imagine Cristiano Ronaldo going to his teammates and apologising for this? No, I can't see it. I, mean, I was just wondering whether this is a, um, a hangover from... Ramsey's stealing his goal on the <laughs> was it Wednesday or Tuesday anyway, whatever night they played in the Champions League. Yeah, it was Wednesday night, so maybe everyone in the squad except for Aaron Ramsey will get an apology. But no, I can't see it either. I actually found it quite interesting. Sari said, I, I don't know if he left early because I didn't go to the changing room after the match. What what did Sari do after the he game? Goes for a bag. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite strange that he didn't go into the dressing room at all. You would think he'd he'd have something to say after they beat Milan at home, but oh well. I guess do you, do you want to say something about Milan? Because I'm gonna just list a couple of clubs who are ahead of them in the table at the moment. Um, Parma, Fiorentina, who lost five two. Uh, Hellas Verona, Torino, Udinese, and Sassuolo are all ahead of AC Milan in the table, who are now. 14th. Um, alarm bells, Kev. Yeah, I, I saw when I was sort of scrolling through Twitter earlier this evening, I saw a, a tweet from someone. Sorry, I can't quote them because I can't remember who it was, but it kind of summed them up perfectly. It was Milan fans don't get carried away. We always play to our opponent's level. <laughs> and I thought that that is quite that is quite fitting because they do kind of do that, you know. they they struggled, you know, particularly at times last year against newly promoted sides. Who you'd think that they play maybe, you know, a more defensive game because they've just come up to the league and stuff. 
Um, and you know, and then they they go and get a, what was looking like a credible draw against Juventus, who are reigning champions. Yeah, well, they do, but they still ultimately lost, right? And at the end of the season, it's going to be the points that speaking. Looking at this, Milan are just four points above Samp in 18th. Is it ridiculous to say that they could be hovering around 15th and possibly looking over their shoulders come February, March, Fito? I would not rule it out, to be honest. Although I thought Milan actually played a really good game and they had quite a few chances to score themselves. Ultimately, they need to get the results. Concerning the circumstances that they've been in in the last decade or so, as well as the fact that they've had such a rich football history, the pressure and expectations are much greater. So if they get dragged into a relegation battle, this is very bad for their image, very bad for the people involved in the club on the pitch as well as off it. And it's... uh, it's a very questionable time. I mean, when you look at it, you've got to really wonder where do the board go from here? And also the element, the Elliott's investment group, I mean, has it really been worthwhile to, you know, be involved in this club? And do they really think they can do something with it financially or results-wise? Because the way things look now... It looks like things are just getting worse. They're not improving. Yeah, well, they've got Napoli next, which is going to be funny whatever way that goes, given what's happening at the San Paolo. And then they come to Parma, which I'm very much looking forward to. That's going to be an interesting one on the 1st of December. So stick with us because we'll have some fun either way. Fresh back from Turin and joining us on the podcast now is Dov Schiavone. Dov, it's been a while. Hello. Hello, Conor Clancy. Yes, I'm just in the door from Turin. Um, after watching a horrible, horrible game of football. Why was it a horrible game of football? You just saw wasn't. the league leaders. I did. I seen them twice this weekend. They're just, they're just not. Uh, what they are very good because they win all the time, but the game wasn't very good, particularly the first half. Um, obviously, people would have seen it and just think what there's Piontek had a header, Paqueta had a header. I think maybe there was one shot from Higuain. Um, that kind of didn't. I wouldn't say tested Donnarumma, but that that was about it in the first half. It was really horrible. Just mistakes everywhere. Nobody could kind of pass like string three passes together. Um, and then in the second half, Juve were a bit kind of a bit. They had the kind of the bit between their teeth more so than Milan did. Um, and you, I would probably say maybe just edged it in the second half. Um, but if Milan got a draw, you wouldn't begrudge them that, to be perfectly honest, just because the two teams were crap. Were you surprised that it took a, what was it, a 77th minute goal from a substitute striker to win it for you there? Well, they needed to change something um, because whatever they were trying to do um, before Dybala came on and before Douglas Costa came on just wasn't working. And... I think that's one kind of area where you could give credit to Sari that he, he he seen it wasn't working and he changed it, which is good. Um, whereas the Milan substitutes that came on, what Leao, Moraventura, like Rebic came on, it didn't do anything really. Um, so you say the substitutes that Sari made kind of won the game for Juve. And to be fair, Ronaldo, as much as he uh, 
was mumping and moaning that he got <laughs> taken off. He was crap. He was probably one of his worst performances for Juve since he's been there. So I don't really see what he needs to go in the half about, to be perfectly honest. It was not the first time. He was taken off in midweek as well, and he's now been taken off more times this season than he was in the entirety of last season. Mm. And he wasn't too happy about it then either. Is there a potential problem for Sarri there in trying to manage him? No, I, like he Sarri in his press conference obviously was asked about it. People were trying to get a good headline, and he just said that that's between kind of Ronaldo and his teammates. Obviously, that if he's not supporting his teammates, is disrespectful. Well, he never said that, but you can get the the hints he was given were that if there's a problem, Ronaldo and his teammates will sort it. So I don't think Sarri's going to start getting involved with Ronaldo's mumping and moaning because he gets taken off. Um, no, it's, it's a bit strange, isn't it? For, first not, not for, for Ronaldo, say, is it? No, but even for Sarri <laughs> to say, oh, it's nothing to do with me. We never said it's nothing to do with him. He just said that it's between... Uh, he did, one, he didn't know if he'd left the stadium <laughs> beforehand, but he did. And he just basically... What he, he exactly was where... If he did, I don't know if he did, but if he did, then that's something he needs to sort out with his teammates. So essentially, just taking himself out of the equation, um, which I think is quite smart because Sarri's obviously doing the job and, and you know what Ronaldo's like. He wants to play in every game. He wants to score in every game. Even when he's not playing very good, he still feels he can score. Um, and obviously, he's their star player and their biggest marketing tool and all that kind of thing. So you don't want to start having a um, head-to-head between the coach and, and the star player. But I don't, to be honest, I don't think there'll be much in it or there is anything in it. I just think he was in a huff because he got taken off quite early as well. I think that's the earliest, it's the earliest he's been taken off ever at UV. And I think... What, I'm looking at it now. It was yeah. since a classical in May 2018. May 2018, yeah. And that was at half time in, uh, in that uh, case. So it doesn't get taken off very often. And to get taken off that early as well doesn't happen very often either. So, and he's Ronaldo. He gets angry. He wants to play all the time. Um, yeah, well, but he did only have one shot, which is poor from him, considering he usually shoots from anywhere. Yeah, and I wasn't a very good one either. Um, so, yeah, I, honestly, I don't. I wouldn't read it. I don't think anybody should read anything into it because obviously the next game it'll be forgotten, and if, when he scores a hat trick against Atletico or something like that, nobody will care. So, yeah, it's Atalanta next. You could see him scoring a couple against them easily. Um, AC Milan did have seven shots though, so. Were they really that bad? <sighs> they were, right. We'll, we'll be positive, right? We'll be positive. That's the best they've played all season. Okay, but it's a low bar. <laughs> yeah, it's a low bar. I mean, to be honest, they've get, under Pioli, I, I'm going to give them credit, they're getting progressively better. Um, I think the lowest I've seen them play this season was probably against Spal. Right, was that not the last game that you described as the worst game you've ever seen? Yeah, that was the worst game, but they, they, they just, they, the both teams are crap. They played alright against Lecce. Um, they played better against Lazio than they'd had done in the first half more so than the second. And then against Juve, I thought they played a, maybe a bit the same or a bit better again than against Lazio. So it seems like they're kind of getting on the right road. Uh, just the problem is they're playing kind of teams that are realistically going for Champions League football and title challenges and stuff like that, which doesn't help when you're kind of a team that is 
kind of grown into yourself and has just changed the coach and things right, like that. Right, but, but Lecce and Spal, Lecce and Spal are struggling to survive. And yeah, yeah, no, no. So the, the, obviously, the Spal game was just rubbish. The Lecce game, Milan should have won that. Really, I mean, the, the goals they conceded were just a bit silly, um, and I think that was kind of almost like a hangover from the Gianpaolo era. Um, but yeah, the Spal game was rubbish. That was rubbish, almost as bad as oh, no, no, no. Tonight's game was almost as bad as that. Um, I just don't understand how players, professional footballers, struggle to pass to each other or are like void of ideas. It's like there's nobody with imagination anymore, which is kind of sad. Yeah, they're 14th now. That's yeah. very, very low. Four points of relegation. They're, they're below Udinese and Sassuolo. And Sassuolo have a game in hand. They do. <laughs> but they're below Udinese, though. They're just, they're, well, they're not, they've not been very good all season. When they're just starting to get better, they're playing more difficult teams, so they're going to lose. Um, and it's tough. It's tough. And I think kind of that it's almost like a snowball as well. I mean, if you keep losing, you get kind of into that the uh, the attitude, the mentality of the team is kind of not positive, or because you're losing all the time and you're not playing very well. So it's it's difficult to to kind of change that. And obviously, normally a, a coaching change can make that happen. But when your coaching change comes in and has to play Roma, Lazio, Juve and Napoli in his first like four or five games, that's hard. So I think from December onwards, then we'll see where Milan are because I think we've got like Parma, Bologna and teams kind of mid-table around about them. So that's when we'll see if Puley's made a difference because he'll have been there for a while, got his ideas across a bit more, learned the players a bit better. Um, and then we'll see where they are. But they, they, right now, they look a lower mid-table team at best. Mm. Yeah, well, speaking of Verona and Parma, I was at Parma tonight and I spoke to Chris Smalling and Parma looked very good. You were at Inter-Verona yesterday, Saturday, and you spoke to Liam Henderson. How's he getting on? Yeah, just very briefly. I mean, he uh, obviously said there was a difficult match against uh, a Conte Inter team, but he, uh, just, just he's enjoying life in his day. He's been here, what, three years now? And yeah, and Verona are having a good season, so he's he's quite enjoying life. I think pretty similar to what um, Chris Smallin was saying as well. And we're gonna move on to second on the table. Inter they hosted Alas Verona at the Stadio Giuseppe Meazza, and they won just veto. Sign champions. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, Ellis Verona, they, they played a very defensive game, and most of the time it was like they were putting nearly everyone behind the ball. Uh, the penalty from Valerio Verre really woke Inter up, and then it was just a massive onslaught from then on. I think the real difference was really more in the last half an hour or so. They really became more fluid, and yeah, just they were combining a bit more. And then once Vecino got that decisive equaliser, it seemed like there was only really one team in it. And Barella scored a sensational goal to earn the Nerazzurri the three points. Yeah, Kev, it was some striker. I mean, they were struggling to overcome Verona's 11-man backline, and Barella popped up with that. One of the goals of the season so far. Yeah, absolutely. When I saw somebody um, summarise it, they said it you know, it broke the net, so I was kind of expecting it to be a more sort of arrow-like drive, but uh, you know, there was plenty of whip on it as well. It was a, it was a wonderful strike to sort of bend it outside and you know, back inside the post into the top corner. Yeah, it was a beaut. But speaking about the, the game as a whole, Verona did just defend. They didn't really do anything else. And eventually, one way or another, Inter had to find a way to overcome it, and they did. And it didn't always look like they were going to, Kev, so they've got to take some positives for that from that. Yeah, it's this whole um, mark of champions that people put on hard-fought wins. But there's a there's an element of um, not necessarily... In let's say the last eighteen months with Juventus, but when they had to grind out a result, but you never really doubted it. I think with Inter, they're grinding out the results, but there's still when you actually watch the watch the games, there's that element of doubt actually whether they will do it. You know, because they may well be controlling possession, but they may not well be dominating. You know, mm. if that makes sense, because they don't really look like they're almost playing a lower gear and ready to just sort of step it up and win the game when they need to, which is what Juventus made a, you know, a habit of doing for probably for three or four seasons. And that's the only... Something that that good teams do is share goals around. And you look at the goal scorers here, it was substitute Matthias Vecino and then Nicolò Barella getting on the score sheets. Even when Lautaro and Lukaku aren't scoring, they've got people who can pop up. Yeah, that's that's good also that that that, that contribution is coming from the bench as well because it, it gives some indication that there's some depth there and the players are able to come in and, you know, not, um, as we spoke about Ronaldo, maybe be put out that they're not on the on the pitch and they're, and they're willing to make that contribution. Valentino Lazzaro, Vito, we spoke about him last week after his appearance and good performance on Bologna, started again and he played very, very well again. He's looking like he really has a place under Antonio Conte. Now it seems that way. Um, it's good that he's got the confidence to make the runs that he does, and he does. Well, Verona didn't test him defensively, so in that aspect, I don't think he had to worry too much about being exposed. So he could focus on attacking, 
he was dangerous on that right flank, and he was the one that provided the cross for Vecino to equalise. So I think that's uh, good for him to have provided an assist and to contribute offensively like he has. Not only that, I think with the way that he's played in the last two games, that's forced Antonio Candreva to play on the left side when he comes on. And uh, Candreva being one of Conte's lieutenants, I think he's just happy to, you know, do the job that's required of him if he's got to play on the left side bit. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, if Candreva's also doing well on the left, then that must mean Lazaro, as good as he's playing, he can have that additional security regarding his spot in the first 11. Looking at Alas Verona, Kev, you've got to give them some credit, right? Because they often make headlines for the wrong reasons because they've uh, quite a sizable group of idiots in their curva. But they're 10th in Serie A. And even Yorich has actually done quite a good job there. Yeah, I didn't give um, I didn't give Verona or any of the promoted sides really much chance mm. this year. I thought they would be filling the bottom four or five places. And I know you say, obviously, they, they defended a lot this weekend against Inter. But when they were playing Brescia last week, which got headlines for all the wrong reasons, um, they actually went out to attack them. And I know it's another promoted side, but when they when they face somebody of, if we call it similar quality, they have been a little bit more uh, expansive as than you probably um, expect a promoted side to be. Yeah, they've got Fiorentina, Roma and Atalanta coming up. So it's going to be a big, big November for them. But the way they defend, you could see them taking some points there. And I do think we have to kind of take our hats off to how they've performed. Because so many times in recent seasons, you see these promoted sides come up and do absolutely nothing and be relegated by Christmas. But this year, they're all having a bit of a fight, which is quite good to see. Um, right, Lazio 4, Lecce 2, Chiro Mobile again. It was it was a penalty, right? We'll, we'll say that, but he still scored, and his run of form is continuing, and he's been so so good this season that I don't know. Should we be talking about him as Italy's first choice striker, given that he's tried it so often and it's never worked? But well, he's never uh, been in this good form. It's a similar argument to Chiro Mobile, though. Well, that's who I'm talking about. Oh, sorry. I was sitting here thinking about Andrea Bellotti. I told you it's been oh, okay. boot boot weekend. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, sorry. It's similar with Andrea Bellotti as well. That sometimes um, it just. And Vito picked up on this a couple of weeks ago, where whether it's the group of players that you've got, it just doesn't fit at international level, you know. But it shouldn't discount what you're doing for your club form. But then we've also seen where. Uh, Immobile's gone to uh, Dortmund and Seville and it's not it's not quite worked out um, I don't think that was necessarily just because they were sides outside of Italy but you'd maybe fear that he could have another dip in his career if he was to move to a so-called bigger club but you know Lazio are pushing for Champions League so why why should he need to yeah I'm looking at the, the Italy squad now for these November games against Bosnia and Armenia um, they're both qualifiers, but obviously they don't actually mean anything because Italy are qualified. Andrea Bellotti and Ciro Mobile are the only two strikers. So does that suggest to you that he's Mancini's going to go with a, a fall? Actually, sorry, Domenico Berardi's there as well, but he's more of a winger now. Does that suggest that he's going to play with a false nine? Yeah, probably. Or maybe he's just, he doesn't really, 
care too much about trying things out up top. You know, they're, they're, they're qualified anyway. Um, I, you never really know. Mancini, you always strikes me as somebody who had a fairly settled side, but that squad's huge. Yeah. I looked at it the other day, and I, when it came out, I couldn't believe how many actual players they've got. To hear that there's only two uh, recognised strikers in there is astounding, really, considering the numbers of bodies that they've got in there. It is. Um, Mario Balotelli was left out, and he's been doing okay. They've got four goalkeepers. It's going to get trimmed down, right? It's one of those extra big squads that gets trimmed down that the Republic of Ireland like to do. Martin okay. O'Neill was great for it. He named 45-man squads, which then became 35, then 30. It's really annoying. I don't really understand it. But, yeah. Um, hats off to Pierluigi Gallini, who's in the squad. They got to him. Glorious. He's fantastic. Back to Serie A before I get any more distracted. Another player who's in really good form, Vito, someone you know, it's Joaquin Correa. He scored again for Lazio. He scored twice today. And his purple patch continues. Indeed. He's got six goals in 12 Serie A games for the season. And five of those goals have come in the last five games. So this purple patch in particular has been really outstanding for him. Two goals against uh, Lecce is a big plus and helps Lazio go to third in the Serie A table. And out of those goals, I thought the clear standout was the Second one he scored where he played a 1-2 with Immobile and then he still managed to beat Gabriel, the Lecce goalkeeper, from a very tight angle. So, um, yeah, he's having an excellent run of form and that particular goal, I think, sums up uh, how good he's been. Yeah, it was actually a, a great weekend for the Lazio, the Lazio fans. I was with Alistair McKenzie here in Parma on Saturday. He was up for the rugby and we went out for some torta frita, some ham. We ate outdoors. It was a beautiful day. And then the following day, Roma came up to left, or to Parma and left defeated. So Lazio are happy. Parma have delivered them a very good weekend because Parma did beat Roma 2-0. And Parma were excellent, Kev. They played Roma off the park. Roma had possession and they had a couple of occasions where they went forward, but they never really created too many clear chances. Parma just keep ticking along and they're sitting quite comfortably in mid-table. Yeah, well, I think it might have been last week where we thought that Roma were finally getting their their house in order. But certainly Palmer may be a, a bit like um, Verona this season, whereas when they came up last year, they didn't just sort of sit and try and dig in and, and get enough points to keep themselves safe and actually were a little bit more expansive in their play. And when you've got the likes of... Um, Chavino, mm. and I know he went off um, today, but uh, yeah, they've they've got the they've got the quality there to to attack and wow. And you've got Kulusevski, um, who's, who's still wowing people. Oh, wow, Kev, still wowing people. He's finding new ways to wow people. Oddly enough, you know, Sky Sports and Talk Sports. Um, Jim White was at the Tardini today. I don't really know why. He was here, to, apparently, to speak to Smalling, but uh, I thought that was quite strange. He was sat beside me in the press box, and he just kept asking me about Kuluzewski because he was amazed by how good he was. I was speaking to someone at Parma as well, just before the game. They said that there's a couple of big English clubs who are quite seriously watching him. Um, Manchester United being one. <laughs> Dejan, don't do it. <laughs> you could do so much better. But 
he's going to be hard for them to keep in January. I know he's not technically owned by them, but someone could throw money at Atalanta and Atalanta would take it and they'd find a way to resolve that, I'm sure. But he's unbelievable. And again, he was creating chances, doing his usual thing up front and went in possession. But it blew me away how much ground he covered. Again, he was absolutely everywhere. Um, Jim just kept laughing beside me because every time a Roma attack broke down, it was either Kulusevski dispossessing the Roma player or him picking up the loose ball that came from it. And then he just had the quality to go forward. And he was fantastic. He had um, he forced a really good save out of Paolo Lopez actually to keep it at one 0 just before Cornelius scored the second. But moving on to Andreas Cornelius, he scored again. He got the second and he, he took his time to score. He had a couple of wild chances, two very poor misses in the final 10 minutes, which he could have been made pay for. But thankfully for his sake and Roma's, he wasn't. And But they still have injury problems because Bruno Alves came back. He came off the bench to kind of settle things down at the back in the final few minutes. But Gervinho went off in the first half, Vito. And I know he frustrates, but he can be important to the way Palmer play. When he does come on, or when he does play, actually, he does still offer a lot of pace, even at his age. So losing him could either be a big loss for them because he does offer that pace and he can chip in with a few goals and assists. And he also does bring some experience to that team. Where it might be a mixed blessing is that he is nonetheless a selfish player, perhaps far too selfish for Parma, and this might uh, allow the other players to step up and also as a team help them to function more cohesively instead of just waiting for Jovinho to run into random areas and then give the ball away cheaply. You won't be surprised to learn he did it again tonight. There was a really good break where Palmer broke and he had options to set up. I think it was Kuluzewski or Cornelius on the penalty spot and he decided to just run into Chris Smalling, who defended quite well. Um, and then there was another one where he cut in off the left onto his, his weaker right foot from an improbable angle. And instead of setting up Kulusevsky, he shot with his right foot. And obviously it went wildly wide because he's not very good with his right foot. He's not very good at shooting with his left most of the time. and He drives me mad, but you all know that. Chris Smalling, speaking of him, I got to speak to him in the mixed zone afterwards. I'm going to play a quick clip of that chat now. But if you want to read more of what he said to me, head over to sportsitalianfootball.com and have a read of the, the quick few words he gave me. Last one from me, Chris. Um, you said you're doing Italian lessons with the man stood to your left. Mm-hmm. How's it coming? And could you give a message to the Roma fans in Italian? <laughs> Well, I think we'll, in a couple of months, we'll do that. But I am, I am learning fast, I think. Um, I'm definitely picking up, especially on the training pitch and on the, in the changing room. I think things that are going to be useful to me in terms of being able to sort of do interviews after the game and, and being able to sort of learn on the pitch and communicate a lot better with, with my teammates. So, um, no, it's going, it's going well. I think I'm learning a lot faster than I imagined. And, and I knew it was going to be difficult, but it's just about making sure that I do it consistently and um, hopefully, 
come Christmas and then come the end of the season there'll be a big improvement and then hopefully I can um, no, I can I can speak in Italian as well I'm sure you've got the words that you can't say here now <laughs> <laughs> well cheers Chris But yeah, Chris Smalling, if we're going to talk about him, we can only do it in positive terms because he's continuing to settle in so very nicely in Italian football, Kev. Yeah, we spoke about it last week. Did uh, did you get any idea of whether his Italian's uh, picking up? It's funny you ask that because the very clip I've just included for our listeners discusses his Italian and his Italian uh-huh. lessons. He... He wouldn't give me any words in Italian. Um, I, I tried, but he he wasn't having it. But he says he's he's doing three lessons a week with the interpreter who actually attends the mixed zone to translate to the Italians. Um, and he says it's coming along a lot quicker than he had expected it to. And he's hoping to, by Christmas, be able to do some sort of interview with people. Um, so he said, I asked him to give a message to the Roma fans in Italian, and he kind of just nervously laughed while considering it but said no we'll we'll do that in a couple of months but yeah he's he's picking up terms obviously you know the football language basically he says he's able to use things now to speak to his teammates on the pitch and to to communicate in the changing room and obviously he's got a lot of people there who speak English as well you've got Fazio, Jekko, Kolarov who have all played in England and then I mean, English I mean it's a bit difficult because you yourself um, will know how much your Italian improves when you're doing day-to-day life, but the footballer doesn't really have that luxury because it's quite um, closed off. You know the amount of local grocery shoppings and things he can do um, without being hassled. Yeah, it did seem like he was going about that though. It, just the way he spoke, he said um, he was speaking about his like personal life and. He said that his family and his dogs and stuff are here, so he's happy and he feels like he is able to just go about daily life in a, a normalish way. He said he spoke about the area that he's living in, um, has a lot of vegan restaurants because obviously he's he's mm. plant based, and yeah, it seemed like he was kind of pottering about the place. I'm not sure if he's out in the the city centre of Rome or where he's living, but I did get the impression that he's trying to immerse immerse himself as much as he possibly can. So that's good. But credit to Chris Smalling. Came across as a really nice guy today. And he was nearly the reason for them being late going off on their bus because he literally wouldn't stop talking to us. And I had a couple of more questions that I wanted to ask him. And the press officer was kind of saying, no, no. And Chris said, no, it's fine. I'll take the questions. So we like Chris Smalling now. Congratulations to him. From positive things to more negative things, uh, there's there's a storm brewing a little bit further south in Naples. Vito, it's been a crazy week. Aurelio De Laurentiis ordered a retiro for the squad, a five-day retreat. I nearly said concentration there, as someone unfortunately tweeted on Twitter this week. But no, a five-day retreat for the squad to get away from everyone after the, was it the Champions League game in midweek. And they basically broke orders. Ancelotti and all the players refused and they all just went home. Napoli, not too pleased by it, decided to open legal action against their own players. Probably not the wisest of moves. And it's just 
not going too well there, Vito. Is is Carlos' time there going to end prematurely? Seems that way. I've heard one story saying that ADL was, uh, yeah, De Laurentiis has been talked out of sacking him because of the payout that Ancelotti could get if he did get sacked. But at the same time, I think Ancelotti himself needs to look at the situation and compared to other teams he's coached in the past, uh, they don't really stand up to those sides. He's coached some great players and some fantastic teams throughout his career and I don't think he can really do too much with this Napoli team, to be honest. I think also that yeah, just with some of the players too, there are probably a couple others that probably passed their best or they might be better off with a change of atmosphere. So, yeah, whether Anchel, uh, De Laurentiis decides to sack Ancelotti or keeps it until the end of the season, the way things are looking, it's looking rather bleak because if they're disobeying these kind of orders, I don't think there can be much of a turnaround soon. I expect this to continue to go on and on. Kev, mm. is contracted until the end of the 2020 to 2021. That was difficult to say. Season. But could you see him walking out at the end of this campaign if nothing improves? Yeah, quite possibly. It's it's really unlike Ancelotti to not sort of toe the party line. I know he, he had some um, fallings out with Florentino Perez at Real Madrid, but he kept sort of mm. kept everything quiet until he'd almost left and then sort of openly discuss some of the challenges he had working at Real Madrid for him to sort of actively be uh, and publicly be uh, complaining, if we call it that, um, doesn't bode well. No, it doesn't, does it? But anyway, that's Napoli. On the pitch, it's not looking much better. They're seventh, Kevin. They... They look like they're really lacking ideas sometimes. And this is a side that we all kind of fell in love with only, what, a year and a half ago. We're playing amazing, creative, expansive football, and now it looks like they, they're they lacking inspiration. Yeah, and I don't know whether these problems at the club, you know, are going a bit deeper. You, we, we, a couple of, is it a couple of weeks ago now where De Laurentiis came out and said about Mertens and somebody else could go? And you just wonder if there's a general ill feeling that there's a lack then of appetite to not necessarily perform, but, you know, it just it almost subconsciously you're you're a little bit off the pace because you're just, you know, unhappy in your working environment. Yeah, which is kind of understandable. I don't think that's something you could really hold against the players either, to be honest, but let's leave that there. Vito, Cagliari beat Fiorentina 5-2, and that's probably flattering on Fiorentina because Cagliari were 5-0 up. Not only were they 5-0 up, but Cagliari probably should have scored a few more goals on top of that as well. Rajan Angolan easily had his best game for the club since uh, returning, and even in general, Coyote were much better organised as a team. They played at a higher intensity. They were pressing constantly. They looked so comfortable on the ball. And it was actually hard to pick out which player was sort of underwhelming or disappointing because everybody put in. Uh, you could 
criticised Robin Olsen for conceding two goals in the end, but he made a couple saves. Otherwise, I think it was an outstanding display from Rolando Maran's men. And Fiorentina, they just looked very unimaginative and extremely pedestrian. It was like they were just taking a walk in the park, whereas Cagliari uh, play like a team that understand the modern game and how the game should be played these days. Yeah, for sure. But Nangalan, Kev, do Inter regret letting go, do you think? Or... I don't. I don't know because you know it had the improvement that, and then Inter have made an improvement this season. So I don't think they can regret it too much. Um, I think again when we're talking about the working environment for um, you know the Napoli players, um, Nangaland's gone back to Sardinia because of his wife's personal problems, yeah, and you know so maybe they're more comfortable there, and there's less pressure on him, and he can pref- them produce performances like he like he has done today. Um, so I think it's it's probably benefited everybody all round, really. Vero, Giovanni Simeone scored against his old club? Yeah, it was a bit of a fortuitous goal because that low cross from Nangalan was coming like a bullet and then it was like he just needed to react instantly to backhill it into the net. He probably could have added another goal or two himself, Simeone, but generally speaking, I think he's been playing well at Cagliari. I think uh, Maran's tactics suits him and the way he plays the game. So although I reckon he needs to be scoring more prolifically, generally speaking, I do believe that Simeone is having a good year and I think he's still uh, an important part of that Cagliari side going forward. I'll stick with you. João Pedro also scored, and he's a player who doesn't really get the credit he deserves because, I guess, because he plays for Cagliari. But he's been doing quite well there for the last couple of seasons. He has been. I remember him there around the 2014-2015 season. So that was the first year of uh, Tommaso Giulini's presidency. His then examine was coaching at the time, and João Pedro had his moments at that time, but... I don't think um, things were going too well at Coyote and yeah, on the pitch and off the pitch. I think they were still trying to sort themselves out. João Pedro stayed with the team in the Serie B, helped them get back to Serie A. Been a solid contributor since they've returned to Italy's top flight. But uh, this season in particular, he's really been uh, sensational with his goals. And most of the time he's been a trequatista, but Maran's converted him into more of a support striker, especially this year. And I think he's really benefited Joe Pedro. And I think, uh, you know, while he stays in this position, again, he's another player that's really gone up a level this season. Kev, do you think Vincenzo Montella's in trouble? Because they're ninth, right? They've won, lost, and drawn four games. But I don't know, this is... A big loss. Well, I think when when he was appointed, I sort of had my reservations. I wasn't. I the the team he sort of produced first time round was largely based on the talents of the individuals. You had that trio of players: Pizarro, um, Valero, and Aquilani in midfield. But he also had um, Giuseppe Rossi during the probably the, one of the brief times in his career when he was fit and he was scoring um, and with Mario Gomez 
machen uns glückliche Spanische Hengst, denn ich liebe dein Temperament. Mein Torero auf dem Fußballfeld, sie ist ein Kopfball, der für so nett. Todo lo que necesito, es un golecito. Mario, Mario, mach ihn rein, schießt uns endlich von Nummer 1. Mario Gomez, Mario Gomez, Mario Gomez. Um, and he flattered to deceive at Milan. I, I just thought it was a step backwards um, and maybe they needed to go for, you know, maybe just take a risk and go for a more um, young, not necessarily young, but more inventive coach and try and get a, uh, a style of football that would work for them and make them slightly more successful. Elsewhere, Torino went to Brescia and won 4-0, Dito. That's huge. I think it's a very important result for Torino, especially after they were winless in six matches. Uh, I had uh, written a feature for Forza Italian Football about five coaches that could potentially face the sack, and Walter Mazzari was one of them. This performance was something special, though, and this might buy him some time. They looked much better going forward instead of just parking the bus. And although it was Brescia... I think uh, Mazzari and his team deserve credit for the way they played. Bellotti scored two penalties, which set the foundations for the win. And Brescia did get uh, Matteo sent off in the first half. So that did not help their cause. But towards the end, uh, Alex uh, Berenger, he came on. And he scored two lovely goals to put the icing on the cake. So hopefully that's a turnaround for them. But at this stage, I think it should just be taken as... A good performance on the day from the Granata. Yeah, well, Brescia are now bottom, Kevin. It seemed like they were starting live in Serie A. Okay, but they're by far the worst of the three promoted teams. And they're bottom of the table, even beneath Spal and Sampdoria. Wow. Yeah, they've sort of dropped a bit like a stone. And you wouldn't be so concerned if they'd had a run of playing, you know, say, Inter, mm. Juve. You, you know, they... they... With all due respect, they've dropped points against Torino, who weren't there for a taking, but you thought they could have given them a uh, a more even game. Um, and obviously, the coach has now changed, and uh, I believe Balotelli was pulled at half time, and I don't think that was injury related. Um, and he's probably their, um, if not their star man, but their match winner, um, or the obvious match winner. So it could be a, a long, hard season, which they probably expected it to be anyway. Yeah, true. They have got Atalanta in their first derby in some time at the end of the month. So that could be interesting to watch. Planning and going to that, touch wood. Um, Sassuolo beat Bologna 3-1, Kev. This was surprising, but also not very surprising. Does that kind of sum up both of those sides this season? Yeah, well, now I've cursed Bologna. <laughs> and... Um, as I was watching, as I was watching it on Friday night, I kind of it was my first trip to Bologna last season, and I'm not sure if I fell in love with the city so much that I feel a bit more for the football club, <laughs> you know. And and I was letting heart get in the way of head when I sort of um, tipped them to have a a very good season. They also did play very very well when I saw them beat um, Sampdoria last season. So yeah, they're just um, they're just having a bit of a struggle, and Sassuolo are doing their usual 
uh, blowing someone away one week and then the next week <laughs> conceding probably a, a hat-trick of goals. Yeah, they're so strange, aren't they, Sassuolo? But that's why we love them. Sampdoria drew with 10-man Atalanta. Vito, you're probably happy enough with the point. Considering the current circumstances, it's really a point gained for some. So, under Claudio Ranieri, he's slowly lifting us out of the relegation zone. But judging from what I've saw of this game, I don't think it was a game that either team deserved to win. Atalanta, given their position and recent rise, uh, that would feel would be two points lost. But um, I think both teams have definitely had better days, especially... Atalanta. So, yeah, I think this was one game that can easily just be quickly forgotten, to be honest. Yeah, I'll be forgetting about it quite quickly. There was a bit of controversy with Sampdoria player not getting sent off, despite it being a textbook red card challenge. And then Malinowski being stupid enough to get himself sent off, rightfully so, about two minutes later. But less said about that, the better, I suppose. And Udinese and Spal drew. Nil-nil. I suppose nobody wants to talk about this. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, that's us done. Kev, you can go to sleep. Vito, (laughs) you can, I don't know, go about your day. I'm going to be up until about 6am because I've a lot to do and it's making me very, very sad. My goodness. Thanks for speaking to us, both of you. I love you both. Welcome. Thank you. Everybody, see you. Yep, see you after the international break. Oh, it is the international break. Thank you for reminding me. We won't be here next week, so in the meanwhile, everybody head over to fortitalianfootball.com, read my little chat with Chris Smalling and everything else that's up on the website. We've got match reports from basically everywhere in Italy because we're all over the place. Hashtag FIF at the games. We will be reporting on the international fixtures. You two don't go anywhere before I speak to you about that, please. Um, and yeah, we'll still be doing bits over the international break. So head over to sportsitalianfootball.com every day, even during international breaks. And we'll be here to speak to you after, I guess, with whatever fixtures there are. Goodbye. Ciao, ciao. Attention. 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 Mach uns glückliche spanische Hengst, den ich liebe dein Temperament. Mein Torero auf dem Fußballfeld, siehst du den Kopfball, deine Frisur hält. Doch, lo que necesito, ist zum Goletito. Mario, Mario, mach ihn rein, schießt uns endlich zur Nummer 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 